Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So on this week's episode, I'm going to discuss The Who's 1975 album, The Who by Numbers. I am a massive fan of The Who, going back to my early childhood days in the 1970s. My father had The Who album Quadrophenia, and though he didn't play it that frequently, that record did make an impression on me, and I dug the sounds I was hearing. I also remember when the movie Tommy came out, also in 1975, and my mother had the soundtrack album that just fascinated me due to its whacked-out story, which later on I would learn was based on an album by The Who, the first so-called rock opera, Tommy. As I grew up, I would hear other songs by The Who on classic rock radio, staples like Won't Get Fooled Again, My Generation, Magic Bus, so on. So I had a basic working knowledge of the band's music, and I was always interested in them, but I just didn't get around to digging deeper yet. It wasn't until my mid-twenties when I bought a box set of The Who, called 30 Years of Maximum R&B, which was a pretty good career-spanning overview of the band and a solid musical primer. I loved it, and that inspired me to start getting the band's back catalog, and eventually, that's how I came to owning The Who by Numbers. So now I'll give you some basic facts about this album. The Who by Numbers is the seventh studio album by English rock band The Who, released on October 3rd, 1975 in the United Kingdom through Polydor Records, and on October 25th, 1975 in the United States by MCA Records. It was produced by Glenn Johns and was recorded from April to June 1975 at Shepperton Studios Soundstage using the Island Mobile Recording Studio. It peaked at number 7 on the UK album chart and number 8 on the Billboard 200 album chart in the US and is certified platinum by the RIAA. Now let's go over the band's lineup card. We have Roger Daltrey on lead vocals and percussion, Pete Townsend on guitars, ukulele, accordion, banjo, percussion, keyboards, piano, backing vocals, and lead vocals, John Entwistle on four and eight string bass guitar, brass, backing vocals, and a lead vocal, and last but certainly not least, Keith Moon on drums and percussion. Now we'll go into a track-by-track analysis of this record. We lead off with Slip Kid, written by Pete Townsend. Slip Kid, Slip Kid, second generation, I'm a soldier at 13. Slip Kid, Slip Kid, realization, there's no easy way to be free. No easy way to be free. It begins with lots of percussion that continually repeats throughout the entire song. Then the rest of the band comes in, and Keith uncharacteristically plays a salsa beat without any of his famous flourishes. There's a prominent piano part, which was played by Nicky Hopkins, and the music is danceable, a rarity for The Who. The track shuffles along, and Pete plays a very effective one-note guitar solo. Even John restrains himself from doing his typical intricate bass lines, as it seems like the players are all trying simply to service the song. I admit I had a hard time fully understanding the interesting lyrics, so I had to look it up. 
It seems to be about a rebellious person who discovers that there's no easy way to be free in life and he's in the same boat as everyone else. I also read that there are anti-Irish Republican Army IRA references in the song, but I'm not familiar enough with that history to definitively comment on it. Maybe one of our Irish or UK listeners could illuminate that. Anyway, Roger gives a solid performance and I fucking love this song. Though it's not how The Who typically sounds, it's an awesome kickoff to the album. It was released as the album's second single, but it didn't chart. The next track is However Much I Booze, written by Pete Townsend. This song is much more Who-like, with Pete starting off with an acoustic guitar riff and Keith giving us a roll around the kit to get the track going. A bouncy musical passage settles into a more somber verse groove, and Pete sings the apparently autobiographical lyrics, which detail his struggles with alcohol and his own hypocrisy in denying it. It comes across as a confessional piece, like Pete is showing a side of himself he previously kept guarded from the public. Roger refused to sing this song feeling it was too personal, or maybe he just didn't want his fans thinking he was the one with the drinking problem. It was a good decision, as Pete sings his words with genuine emotion. The music is all who. John's bass moving all around the groove, Keith playing his usual lead drums, Pete's guitar gluing the whole thing together. I really dig this tune. Let's move on to the next track, Squeeze Box, written by Pete Townsend. Mom's got a squeeze box, she wears on her chest. This is the best-known song off the album, and the only one that I'm aware of that receives regular radio airplay. It's like a novelty tune, almost silly, with sexual double entendres and a light, breezy tone. Pete plays acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and accordion on the track, including a banjo solo, and the term squeeze box is another name for an accordion. The lyrics feel like they're from a child's point of view. Mama acquired an accordion and plays it loudly, keeping Daddy and the whole damn street up all night. There's clearly a sexual component in there as well, especially in the bridge, and you can practically hear Roger snickering as he sings it. She goes in and out and in and out. There's a sort of country music vibe to the track, at least as country as The Who could play it with John and Keith on the rhythm. It's a fun break from the depressing tone of most of the album, and this became a surprise hit, reaching number 10 in the UK and number 16 in the US. Moving on now, we get Dreaming from the Waste, written by Pete Townsend. I wanna This is a cool rocker, with Pete playing acoustic guitar underneath big electric guitar chords. Keith does his thing, playing all over the kit and making a racket with his crash cymbals, while John plays amazing bass as he always did. John Entwistle, The Ox, Thunderfingers. 
I have to believe if you're going to talk about the great all-time rock bass players, this guy has to be a part of the discussion. He rarely played simple bass lines just to establish a song's rhythm. He played the bass as if it was a lead instrument, like the guitar usually is in the vast majority of rock songs. He had a busy, nimble style that never goes completely off the rails. It always fits the tune and often fills in the spaces that Pete's guitar leaves open. John and Keith seemed to have an intuitive sixth sense that allowed them to play off and with each other and yet somehow serve the song even when they both seemed like they had lost control. John's virtuosity is on full display in this song, the notes flying by like a gust of wind. The lyrics deal with Pete's frustration at getting older and yet unable to control his sexual urges. He acknowledges his sex appeal isn't what it used to be, and yet he still lusts after the ladies. He can't help himself. Roger communicates Pete's words with the right amount of anger and resignation, and I really dig the pre-chorus sections and the backing vocals in the chorus. This track is another winner. Next up, we have Imagine a Man, written by Pete Townsend. Imagine a love so large and so smooth that against it a man is an ant. And you will see the end. You will see the end. The instrumentation is quieter, with acoustic guitar and piano brought to the forefront, and Roger's singing is heartfelt and tender. John and Keith lay back in the verses, which to me seem to be about being burdened by all of the responsibilities a man carries in his life with all of its restrictive redundancy and regretting choices made, paths not taken. Pete was a spiritualist, a deep thinker, and he always seemed to be searching for something greater, something more than what the realities of this world has to offer. The verses lead into what is more or less the chorus, You Will See the End, with Keith and John playing faster and more urgently. We are our own inventions, and enlightenment will come to us when we get beyond this existence. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, the track has a melancholy vibe that continues the album's generally downbeat themes, and I connect to it. Let's flip the record over and move on to Success Story, written by John Entwistle. This is a pretty straightforward Who rocker, with all the guys contributing in their signature style. There's also a piano audible underneath the guitars, and John plays a bass solo. John sings lead together with Roger, and John handles the vocals in the bridge by himself. The lyrics are sort of a history of the Who, as well as a commentary on the music business itself. John usually got to write a song or two on the Who records, and his songs often had odd or bizarre subject matter, with some humor thrown in to counter Pete's more serious nature. There are some great sarcastic lines in this one. Back in the studio to make our latest number one. Take 276. You know, this used to be fun. There is a tinge of bitterness in these lyrics and does reflect the state of mind the band was in at the time. The Who was always infamous for its infighting and during this period, they were apparently at each other's throats a great deal of the time, especially between Pete and Roger. There's a price to pay for reaching success and it was certainly taking its toll on the band. That said, I love this song and feel it's an overlooked gem in the Who's catalog. 
The next track is They Are All In Love, written by Pete Townsend. Piano Ballad. This features some gorgeous playing by Nicky Hopkins, including a piano solo. The instrumental members of The Who show some restraint and take a backseat to the piano, and allow Roger to take the spotlight. The lyrics reflect loneliness and self-deprecation, as Pete could see the rise of punk rock in England coming, and he felt old and irrelevant, a dinosaur. Hey, goodbye all you punks, stay young and stay high. Hand me my checkbook and I'll crawl off to die. The chorus comes across as grand and sweeping, which belies the rancor in the verses. Though not one of my favorites on this album, I still dig this track. Now we come to Blue, Red, and Gray, written by Pete Townsend. Some people like it more when there's fire in the sky Worship the sun when it's high Some people go for those sultry evenings Sipping cocktails in the blue, red, and gray But I like every minute of the day Pete sings and plays the ukulele, while John plays some brass instruments mixed lower in the background. Pete invests this song with emotion, and it comes across as a gentle, pretty tune. The lyrics go through the everyday lives and the preferences of people Pete may be familiar with, and that he can find the simple joys in every minute of the day. Whether he's being sincere or sarcastic is open to interpretation, especially considering his frame of mind when he wrote it. Nevertheless, I've always liked this song, and think of it as an album highlight. Moving on, the next track is How Many Friends, written by Pete Townsend. The verses are quieter, with Nicky Hopkins' piano prominent again, while Pete's guitar adds color, John plays high bass notes, and Keith holds back on the beat. Roger sings the verses in his higher register, the lyrics communicating that people from all walks of life are interested in him because of his fame and status, and wonders how sincere those people really are. He barks out the chorus lyrics, as he declares he can count all his real friends on one hand as the music swells into a storm of noise, Pete's guitar slamming down the chords and Keith pounding all over his drum kit. Keith Moon, Moon the Loon, one of rock's greatest drummers and an absolute wild man. When Keith played drums, he sounded like nobody else. Watch him playing on an old video. The guy's arms fly all over the place and it seems like he doesn't even know where his hands are going to go, which drum he's going to bash next. On the surface, it seems sloppy, he rarely played the hi-hat cymbal, and he utilized his crash cymbals and toms and thunderous rolls around his entire kit seemingly at will. But the noise he produced somehow fit in with the music and gave the Who an absolutely distinctive sound. Combine that with his over-the-top maniac persona, and you get one of the great characters in rock history. 
The stories of Keith's antics are legendary, from throwing televisions out of hotel windows to driving cars into hotel swimming pools. He was one of a kind, but his hard living wore him out, and he died in 1978 at only 32 years old. The band carried on after he died, but they were never the same. This song showcases Keith's style in the choruses, and is a prime example of the Who's bombast. I dig this track too, and I identify with Pete's pessimistic outlook in the lyrics. The final track on the record is In a Hand or a Face, written by Pete Townsend. All the history of the soul in torments the main riff that kicks off and runs through this song, and there are plenty of John and Keith flourishes. But the rounded round chorus doesn't grab me, and this is the one song that to my ears sounds like the Who by the numbers, like the album title suggests. It's my least favorite cut on the record, so this is Aaron's Stinky Stinker. And definitely not a great tune to close the album out. The lyrics are difficult for me to grasp, but to me it seems like the narrator feels trapped, going through the motions, isolated and depressed. And that's kind of how I feel about the song in general, even Roger's vocals, just going through the motions. So that completes the track by track, and now I'll go into my final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the album rating is a 0-5 to five system, with 5 as a favorite album of mine, all the way down to 0, which is the absolute worst. The Who is one of my favorite bands, in my top 5 of all time, and they deserve their stature as one of the pillars of the 1960s British Invasion bands. They were also hugely influential on countless other artists who followed in their wake. Consider this. From 1969 to 1975, The Who put out Tommy, Live at Leeds, Who's Next, Quadrophenia, and The Tommy Film. All of those projects were massive, ambitious undertakings. So it's no wonder that by mid-75 the band was pretty fucking burned out. Pete Townsend especially. As the chief songwriter in The Who, Pete was under a lot of pressure to deliver the goods so it's no wonder he suffered from writer's block at the time. He also had recently turned 30 and was facing getting older and questioning his own relevancy in the bigger musical landscape. He had once written, Hope I Die Before I Get Old, and now he was facing aging. His solution was to pull back, look inward, and write a set of introspective, personal songs. The Who by Numbers is kind of the Forgotten Who album, sandwiched between the rock opera Quadrophenia and the final album with Keith Moon, Who Are You? It has only one hit in Squeezebox, and even the band seemed rather dismissive of it. But I really like the weighty, dark tone of the record, and the personal lyrics reveal a side of Pete Townsend he kept hidden for the most part in all the previous years of Who's existence. Each of the four members of the band had a distinct personality, and though this led to fights and arguments, it also shone through in their innovative and influential playing and led to some of the greatest rock music ever produced, this album included. I give the Who by numbers a four and a half. If all you know by this band are their radio staples and you're interested in digging a little deeper into their catalog, I highly recommend giving this one a listen. It's a little bit different, but it's still very much the Who. I'd now like to take the time to thank all the listeners who have made doing this podcast so rewarding and worthwhile. We've recently passed the 8,000 download mark, and though by podcast standards that's not a particularly huge number, the show does seem to be growing slowly each week, and we couldn't be happier with it. 
We take none of you out there for granted, and I want to express my deep appreciation for your likes and shares on Facebook and spreading the word about our little show. There are a ton of podcasts now on practically every subject imaginable, and more seem to be coming out of the woodwork every day. That's great. There are a lot of choices, and we thank you for choosing us. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast on iTunes, so if you're an Apple user and you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it there. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. For you Android users, the podcast is available on Stitcher. You can leave comments and reviews there too, and I'll read your reviews on the show from there as well. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there is a link to hear each podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email. We'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me, and I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later. through and they're innovative and influential playing. You know, you got Keith all over the drum. <laughs> crazy. You know, all over where the bass guitar. Be slamming the pipe chords. Women lose arms like this. Right, singing. He knocked over the microphone. Fuck.